So I had to record some promo videos for an Irish book chain saying like, pre-order my book now. And it wasn't until after I had sent them off that I realized I was wearing a Conquer the Squirrel t-shirt. And you couldn't see most of the t-shirt in the video, but what you could see was the top of it around the kind of collar, which says, like, 100% British legend. (laughs) Oof. to this episode 8 series 2 of the electronic wireless show podcast rock paper shotguns pc gaming podcast and the only podcast you need in my opinion which is that of alice bell and i'm joined this week as ever by james archer and nate crowley hello who uh, i know nate has called himself mosh petalicium which is uh, (laughs) a reference to what we'll be discussing later on i thought i'd Uh, do some foreshadowing it's very good. I'm a big fan of it. Uh, first of all, how are you both? Uh, Nate, you had an exciting reveal for us that you were going to disclose to us on air for, for added excitement. Oh yeah, in the cold light of day, it's shit. But um, we, we've had a, a mystery leak in our kitchen um, for a long time. And like, Ashley, I, I, I think legitimately became a super fan of the leak even though she hated it, because she thought about it so much and was always coming up with hypotheses uh, for where the water might be coming from. And she bought, like, you know those, like, bum cameras? Yeah. <laughs> she bought one of those and was, like, putting it under the floorboards and stuff. She got really, like, Ahab tier. Um, <laughs> but we got some roofers in today, and uh, it turns out it's warm air from the kitchen uh, condensing on the underside of the roof and then dripping back down. Oh my goodness. So the leak so was coming from inside the house. It's your own fault. This is it. We shouldn't have been <laughs> so comfortable. If we just lived in the fridge of misery Rishi intends for us, we'd be you all right. You should have been roasting so many bison in your, your huge orcish kitchen. <laughs> oh man, what I wouldn't do for an orc kitchen. <laughs> mutton today, mutton tomorrow. <laughs> Elephant tusks for windows. Classic architecture. Yeah, there you go. What I should have asked you this before, because I'm sure you thought about it. What do you imagine Hobbit would taste like if you roasted Mary and or Pippin? Oh, that's veal. Mm. <laughs> Very okay. Hair, hairy, slightly stale veal. Oh, yeah, hairy. <laughs> with a lingering aftertaste of, like, overly hopped IPA. <laughs> you wouldn't make good crackling out of a hobbit, would you? Ooh. Too too much to shave off. <laughs> oh, what thought? This has gone so dark. I reckon, the, I reckon the bottom of a hobbit would probably taste worse than the top of a hobbit. Well, yeah, yeah. the arse yeah. is like usually a... the least tasty part of any animal. <laughs> kind of like the opposite of a carrot. Oh my goodness, we had a good carrot the other day. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, cracking carrot. Oh, I'm not not even kidding. Um, 
So it was the 10th anniversary of uh, Ashley first encountering a tweet by me, which is how we met. Um, What tweet was it of interest? Can I read it out to you? Yes. The tweet was on uh, March the 18th, 2013, sext. I'm the coin-operated plastic train ride in a dismal Midland service station. You jam 50p in me while drunk and ride me for a joke. (laughs) Now we have a child. (laughs) Our mate Daniel actually got us a framed printout of that tweet. (laughs) That's love, baby. Uh, oh yeah the carrot so uh, it was a 10 year anniversary of that so we went out to uh, Wilderness which is a fine dining place in Birmingham I think it's a bit pretentious honestly Um, do like fancy dinner but you know it's all a bit deconstructed Uh, but they did have a dish called and I can't stop laughing at this because it was called Carrots 2023 (laughs) (laughs) it it in which Keanu Reeves played a Chantonet carrot <laughs> called Johnny Orange Fiber. Um, no, it was just like a really fucking good roasted carrot on like this mad goat's cheese bread and butter pudding. Oh, I sound like a complete bell end saying this, but you know, it's not often you have a carrot to write home about, is all I'm True. saying. Carrot 2023 sounds like a banger Eurovision entry. <laughs> it does as well. Yeah. Do you remember the, the, I think it was the Latvians, they didn't make it through to the finals. They sang about eating veggies. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine it being like the Estonian entry or there's something Baltic and you suddenly realise it's an incredibly like sincere protest song after the third key change where there's a man on a unicycle. Do you remember, did you hear this, James? Because I made uh, Ed and Matthew, our piece, uh listen to it live because the opening is incredible. <laughs> it's got the best first line of any song I think ever written. Oh, I think, yeah, yeah, I, I vaguely remember. I may have spammed yeah. this in the work chat as well. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about? Oh, the... it's, it's a song about like being green is hot being green is cool but the first line and i can say it because we don't bleep swears on the podcast anymore is instead <laughs> instead of meat i eat veggies and pussy all that yes <laughs> and they he wasn't allowed to sing it at eurovision so instead he just got thirty thousand gays in the audience to shout pussy out which if anything is worse <laughs> it's absolutely lordly it was amazing, but it didn't get through. The judges robbed them, uh, in my opinion. So, uh, <laughs> James, can you compete with an excellent carrot? Uh, no, I can't, actually. Um, whilst I am well, I've, I've recently had a reminder of uh, some of my personal failings. Uh, oh, no. Because I, ti- I, t- I was doing a bit of a tidy up at lunch. Um, and one thing I couldn't really find a place for is my gaggle of unfinished Warhammer 40k miniatures. James, so, I didn't well, know you partook. Wow, oh this is actually, <laughs> <laughs> well, is that this is actually my first lot. I was, I was given a I was given a set of ten Space Marines for my birthday. Um, what this kind? Is, this is, have you painted them as? Uh, well, uh, this is back. This is back in January, and I have built, not painted, just built uh, five of them. 
So I, wor I worked it out, and I'm averaging one grey, unpainted little space dude every 16.4 days. That's very precise. Yeah, uh, it's, not, it's not a good look on my, uh, Mate, my, if it, my space if, marine productivity, though. If it makes you feel any better, uh, I've spent since January last year making about 120 orc vehicles out of... Oh, wow complete rubbish at the same time that's law accurate it is yeah I've, I've, I've really tried to like daniel day lewis it um <laughs> you know full methods and i just bought a load of like shit old airfix kits off ebay for really cheap <laughs> and like um a friend's um was clearing out his granddad's attic I found loads more airfix. And then I've been collecting Warhammer for 30 years, so I've got loads of bullshit. Nice. I just literally poured it all into a huge box. Uh, and I've just spent the last sort of year and a bit spending it, yeah, just like half an hour a day putting interesting bits together. I made a sort of submarine engine this morning. I haven't made a submarine. <laughs> well, you know, it's good fun. It'll never be finished. Nothing will ever be painted. I doubt I'll ever finish one of the vehicles. I don't know why I started 120 at the same time, but it's, okay. it's it's very fulfilling. Okay, does that make me feel better? Kind of. The uh, well, at least you, you've got a, a sane plan. As as an as as a apparent expert, do you have any tips for uh, say faster constructions? I'm only I can only do one little man in like 45 minutes, which to me seems a bit. Are you, uh, are you spending a lot of time like scraping off mold lines and things like that? Uh, maybe, kind of. Because honestly, I, I think don't... if you're going for sort of golden demon level painting, unlikely. You need to get rid of everything. But if you if you just want some fun tabletop ready marines, you don't bother with any of that. Um, you know, don't bother filing down the joints. They're so well designed these days. They basically stick together without glue. Um, yeah, it's like, because I, I got my um, little sister a box of uh, Death Company at Christmas, and we sat and did those in an hour and a half. Oh, really? Yeah, that was like, uh, that was five of them. So, yeah, just um, okay. seize the cup. Okay. <laughs> I can't get over. Nate, how you first said, James, I didn't know you partook, to me was indistinguishable from what you would say if you ran into James at your eyes wide shut orgy without realizing <laughs> <laughs> that he went to the same one as you. Oh, uh, I've got <laughs> an incredible anecdote, but I'm not going to tell it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm going well. to tell it. I once bumped into a man I bought a fish tank off at an orgy. <laughs> <laughs> he was the security guard. Okay. Let's just say nothing more about that. But it's, we'll say nothing more. Maybe The tank was the boiler that the gobies live in. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, you know what? Maybe, maybe Nate will be around to answer some more questions about that particular anecdote on the Discord. That's incentive for anyone <laughs> listening to join the Discord. I will just claim that I made it up. <laughs> Here you go. This week, uh, there's no way to 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 do a segue from <laughs> orgies 
An orgy of bafflement and An rage. An orgy of bafflement. This week we're talking about the orgy of bafflement that is what the hap is heckening at Studio Zalm. Now, many listeners will know that Studio Zalm is the studio, the developer that made uh, the kind of late... I was going to say late capitalist, but sort of not. The um, the RPG Disco Elysium, and here we see why Nate is called Mosh Pit Elysium. Um, now, before there are so many sort of things that one has to explain to even talk about this, but first of all, I will say that Zaum is different from Studio Zaum. Zaum is a kind of Estonian art counterculture movement that may just be... Uh, this group of people that all played the same custom D&D campaign together. I'm not entirely sure, but that is separate to Studio Zelm. Many of the same people are involved in both, but for the purposes of this podcast, whenever we say Zelm, we are talking about the game developer, unless we specify otherwise, all right? So that's part one of trying to explain what's going on. <laughs> Does Zelm mean something in Estonian? I do not know. I possibly... Because it sounds like something a knight who was having a stroke would exclaim. Zoom! Zoom! Like thinking he's saying zounds. It's a very weird <laughs> word. Jams Bond's having a strunk. <clears throat> oh, my, that's one of my favourite tweets ever, though. This is a banger. Um, I don't think it does because technically when you write it out, it is Z A and then a forward slash U M. Oh, yeah. So that's it could right. be Zoom. But, um, so. Uh, our story begins <laughs> late last year, right? When uh, we've got all this, this, the stories open. Um, so late last year, one of the founders of Zalm the Cultural Movement, who did work at, at Zalm the Studio for a bit, <laughs> <laughs> um, revealed that three sort of key of the original developers for Disco Elysium. Uh, had been fired at the end of 2021. Uh, so uh, this guy, Martin Luiga, wrote a blog post saying, I am dissolving Zalm, the cultural movement. He's, he's no power of the studio. Um, and that, you know, bad news for the loving fans that are waiting for the disco sequel because uh, the art director, Alexander Rostov, the one of the writers, uh, Helen Hinper, and the lead designer and the lead writer and founder, possibly, of the whole thing, Robert Kurvitz, had all been fired. Um, so everyone was like, what? Uh, I don't know if I like I can reveal this, but like some of us had heard Scuttlebutt they'd been fired for months before this was revealed, but it wasn't really anything we could report on. Because, um, you know, we can't report stuff if we don't have any facts you know um uh then the he followed up with another blog post uh this time in october saying that they were fired on false premises at this point rostov had confirmed that they'd been fired right so if they were fu- does that mean they like took them to a pretend building that's what i thought <laughs> to fire them Ah, you thought you were going to the pub, but this is actually a plywood shell and you're out of a job. Yeah, exactly. At this point as well, like a lot of stuff, um, a lot of people had begun tweeting very angrily 
about this, it kind of is a, a perfect storm because the game is about, uh, you know, capitalism being bad in many ways. It's a very, very abbreviated and glib kind of uh, summary of it. But um, so it's like, you know, these business people have thrown out these artists. Um, you, couldn't, you couldn't have chosen a more ironic game. You really couldn't. <laughs> for this to be happening around. And then, like the end of October 2022, so like October the 24th, I wrote the story. Robert Kurvitz appeared to have filed a lawsuit against Studio Zalm in Estonia. So Robert Kurvitz's company, Telemare, filed an application against Zalm, the studio, uh, to obtain information and review documents. Luiga uh had written a longer weirder post at this point uh which kind of came off as like an unintentional burn on Kervitz a lot of it he said uh in this post Robert was fired from the company whose heart and seed he was due to claims of creating a toxic workplace environment and then he kind of said like I worked there in the summer of 2021 and it sucked <laughs> like he was like I can say things were truly not all right at the company but he said uh, I would say it's much more plausible that the toxic environment was created instead by the upper management and blamed on Robert. Uh, he also said, "Is it like if I was Robert Kurvitz, I'd be I'd be texting him, being like, hey man, thanks. Please stop defending me.' Because it says <laughs> it says a lot of stuff like that. You know, I have been loved more than Robert in life. Ultimately, it is not his fault that he is how he is. <laughs> Good grief." <laughs> Destroyed in seconds. <laughs> I know. Are these going to be read out in court? <laughs> this is the thing, right? You, uh, you've met these people, haven't you, Alice? I've met all of them. I met Kervitz and I met some another guy at the company who I don't know if he's still working there or not, but he's not. His name hasn't come up in any of this, so I won't drag into it now. But I met Kervitz, yeah. Uh, they they seem to you, me... Obviously, I don't want to like you know, force you to make judgments on them, but they seem quite intense people. I, I would agree. Do you know what? We can have the Alice is forced into judgment section in a minute because I just want to read some of this stuff. <laughs> yes. Part of the dispute for this is that the setting for Disco Elysium is, comes from a custom Dungeons & Dragons campaign that Kurvitz and his friends were playing for years and also a book that Kervis wrote called A Sacred and Terrible Air. I am not entirely sure whether the book or the D&D campaign came first, but that's kind of the, the genesis for the world that Disco Elysium is set in. So, uh, Luigi's blog post says, like, at the time when he conceived of Station 41, he was about 25, that's the name of the D&D campaign, and the themes and the way in which they are handled are well and truly unique, and it makes sense that they would be conjured up by a man at war with himself and the entire world. <laughs> And it would also make sense to forgive him his shortcomings. So he kind of, he just says like, like a lot of stuff that I, <laughs> doesn't seem helpful. Uh, the work, the idealist workaholic does not pay attention to people's psychological needs. And thus he will at most times be outplayed. It reminds me of the Stalin and Trotsky situation <laughs> in which Trotsky felt relatively safe due to his high in intellect, hardworking personality and being loved by the people while not paying attention to the relations with the other Communist Party members. So that's basically him saying, ah, oh, geez, Robert was a fucking nightmare to work with. <laughs> you know? If you get to the point of invoking Stalin while talking about workplace politics, you've had a pretty intense time. 
You have, but they are all like Kermit's had a, a, a little bust of Lenin and stuff. They are all, I would say, pro-communist to the to the extent that they are pro-communist party. I do not know, and I would not like to speculate. Other people certainly have. Was in like um, tankies. Yeah, but I don't know because they did. I mean, they lived in a you know post-communist and post um uh Soviet. Soviet, that's the word. Thank you, uh, country. So I, you know, they probably have more complicated thoughts about it than your average American in red t-shirts. Uh, then, so November the 9th, so like a week later, am I getting this right? Yeah, a week later, the Disco Elysium developers that were fired, so Kurvitz and Rostov came out and said, uh, you know what, we are alleging fraud they wrote a Medium post titled to fans of Disco Elysium concerning the situation at Zam and basically say that their stake in the game company is via an Estonian company called Zam Studio. This is why it's so convoluted. This is like the, this is the third Zam we have yeah. in play right now. The initial investor in this Zam Studio company, Estonian company, was a businessman called Marcus Linemau and then he was bought out by uh, another company, which Kervis and Rostov say is a vehicle for the Estonian businessman Ilmar Kompas and Tonis Haval. I'm probably butchering all these names, so I do apologise. The latter of those two men has been done for fraud, so that does, uh, you know, lend some weight to the claims here. So Kervis and Rostov allege that they were fired when they started, they noticed that, you know, there was some fraud going on. They say that we believe these businessmen basically uh, used the studio's own money to buy the studio out from under them, sort of. It's kind of hard to explain. I don't hugely understand it, but they say fraud, basically. And they have now become minority shareholders. They are still minority shareholders at at the point that we're recording this, right? <gasps> right. This is the this so- is reference where I got completely lost in the story. All right, so... The next day, Zaum Studio basically came out and said, this is why they were fired. In a story uh, and a statement they gave to Games Industry Opus, they confirmed reasons several employees were fired last year, which include uh, limited to no engagement in their responsibilities, creating a toxic work environment, verbal abuse and gender discrimination, and also attempting to sell Zaum's IP to other companies. Uh, because at this point, the Disco Elysium intellectual property is owned by the company, not by these people, right? So, and not by the cultural movement. No, the cultural movement never owned anything. Silly so cultural just movement. forget that the cultural <laughs> movement exists, essentially. <laughs> so they said basically, Rostov and Kurvitz wanted to take control. And this, when I wrote this story up as well, there was another name involved that was uh, Sander Tal. Uh, which I had to go back and edit out because it turned out that's just an alias of of Rostov that he uses sometimes, not an entire <laughs> new person. So yeah, exhausting is the word. Is Rostov really like the very eccentric man there? Uh, I mean, one of yeah. <laughs> I just seem to remember around like, the general chat around the game's launch that there was one, you know, one one real kooky character there, like there's- more than the others. There's one kind of outsized character, which is Kurvitz, I think. Okay. This sort of all came out at the same time that uh, Ilmar Kompas, who was one of these businessmen that they alleged committed fraud to get the majority uh, ownership of Studio Zam, said that they were humiliating colleagues and intending to steal IP. 
he told this Estonian newspaper, The Express, that Rostov and Kervitz wanted to take control of intellectual property, including Disco Elysium, and went secretly and in violation of existing contracts to other game companies. Yeah, so they basically allegedly treated their co-workers very badly, quote, were known for belittling women and co-workers in the past, and GI.biz did a little investigation and, and found other sources that made claims that echo these, with one anonymous source saying that long-term staff were reluctant to speak out about Kovitz's behaviour at the studio. So these these people got fired months after getting fired, like like almost a year after getting fired, it was revealed they were fired. They alleged that they were fired for reasons of fraud and, the stu- and they were su- suing the studio and the studio came out and said, uh, there's no fraud and also they were fired for being dicks. This is the, the point that we were at uh, uh, in November at the end of last year. And we all, we all have to date. <laughs> I hope you're enjoying our true crime podcast listeners. <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous, yeah, this is, isn't it? This has gone very Charlie Day. Right, it's about to get even worse. About <laughs> to get Charlie Dayer. It's about to get really Charlie Dayer. We're about because... to head into the Charlie Knight. Oh, <laughs> so... In the intervening months, uh, they got rid of this other investor who was one of their first kind of money men. And I think he helped source a lot of the investment, I believe, if I remember directly uh, from my interview with them. Uh, this guy called Kao Kenda, he was, you know, left the company as well. And he sued them after he left. I'm not entirely sure why. And he kind of doesn't say why either. Do you remember that episode of Peep Show where they all get obsessed with sectioning each other? And at the end, the doctor gets really so exasperated. Yeah. Like, there'll be no more sectioning today. You've had your fun. I, I feel like this needs to be said to Zaum. There'll be no more suing today. There'll be no more suing today. So Kawakanda got fired. He said, per this article on Eurogamer, allegedly also, also for trying to ask the new management what was going on. Uh, he claims that as a partner in Zaum, his firing left without his share of the company uh, that he said was worth about a million euro. Uh, so that he was suing the company as well. Uh, side note on Kyle Kendall, which nobody has really brought up and that I'm dangerously going to on this podcast. In 2017, uh, he was charged in Estonia with the production of child pornography. It's re- related to a novel that he wrote in 2014 called Untitled 12, which is one of those like shock kind of horror things that depicts the violent sexual abuse of women and children by an unnamed protagonist. Uh, And a lot of people and artists uh, on the Estonian scene kind of came out in defense of him. Not like being like, this is good, but being like, this is grim, but he shouldn't be in trouble for it on Freedom of Speech. So that's a little side note about him, and I'll put some of the the articles about it, because again, it's quite funny. The article, the most detailed article I found about it says like, but it sucks, though, his book. Like, it's not even very good. <laughs> oh, that's... Nah. Yeah, he's cited Desaad's 120 Days of Sol- Sodom and, and Bret Easton Ellis' American Psycho as influences. Uh, now, so listen, he... I really... I don't like to be mean about people in public. But he does sound a bit of a buffoon. I, yeah, like, j- just like a kind of exhausting, edgy boy, like just trying to shock people without really any artistic merit, it sounds like. So that's a side note about him. He now (laughs) 
has dropped his lawsuit. This is the funniest bit, right? This is in the last few days. So on the 14th, Eurogamer wrote a story because Zaum, the studio, announced that Kanda had dropped his lawsuit or it had been uh, resolved basically. So they issued this press release that included a statement from Kenda saying, after leaving my full-time role, I filed a lawsuit, which I realised after seeing the facts was misguided. <laughs> and they said that he divested all his shares, he repaid his debts to the studio and then in a court order they, oh no, he reimbursed them for the costs associated with his lawsuit. So he's really, I mean, it sounds like that went really badly for him because that, uh, that statement he gave it kind of has a gun cocking noise behind it, doesn't it? Like... Do you remember that bit in Star Wars where Han Solo like runs after three stormtroopers and then in a classic bit of comedy timing comes running back round the corner pursued yeah. by a hundred stormtroopers? Yeah. They also, this is where I, I get kind of confused. They, I think they might have also said the other suits were involved. Uh, were resolved as well. They said Kervis and Rostov dropped their legal disputes due to lack of evidence. But I'm not sure if it, if that's the case because then two days later or three days later, Kervis and uh, Rostov responded to this press release to Eurogamer describing Zalm's announcement as wrong and misleading in several respects and seeks to unfairly paint us, the remaining minority shareholders in Zalm, as mere disgruntled employees. Uh, and they sort of doubled down on alleging fraud. Compass and Haval silenced Kenda on this matter, but they will not silence us. Unlike Kenda, we have not participated in the looting of Zaum, and Compass and Haval have no power over us. So they're going the sort of Disney kind of we're fighting a villain route. And then three days after that, again, uh, Zaum... Zaum issued another statement to Eurogamer, so they had to update this article for a third time, saying that, uh, you know, looting, stolen money and crime are details that make for riveting reading, but they are far from reality. We encourage uh, the two guys to bring their claims to a court of law where their baseless allegations will fall apart under legal scrutiny. I mean, this That's is a, like this is a, this is all one hundred trash talk. <laughs> I know. I guess this is all embarrassing bullshit, but I do enjoy the prose in some of these statements. No, yeah. <laughs> hey, got to hand it to them; they're good writers. Right? Uh, yeah. The uh, the actual hand of the studio is not from some fictional looting, but rather from Mr. Kovitz and Mr. Tal because he's talking about Sander Tal again. I don't know if his name is Alexander Rostov or Sander Tal. While employed by the studio, refusing to do their jobs, creating a toxic workplace, demeaning colleagues and attempting to misappropriate studio IP, they are welcome to challenge these facts in the court of law where the studio is prepared to show proof. So <laughs> that's where we are today. Although, who knows? By the time you listen to this on Thursday, they may have issued another dueling statement. So, so what's the... Avengers Infinity War Part 2 Endgame of all this. I like, don't where, know. Where, where does this climax? I don't know. I like. I would guess that Kervitz wants to make more Disco Elysium stuff, but he can't because he doesn't own the IP anymore. Because that's, I mean, you know, part of me wants to say that's capitalism, baby. It wasn't like he sold the IP. They got a lot of money invested to make the game. Uh, and that's kind of what happens. Like you, when you sell... Not sell your IP, but when you make a company, that your your idea becomes an asset of that company and can be bought or sold by someone else or finagled out of your grasp. But um, can't you just solve this by just like making a, an asylum film style ripoff of Dis- Disco Elysium? But that, <laughs> but that's the principle <laughs> of the thing, Nate. 
Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the same kind of principal guys, yeah. Yeah, so, okay, so what what do we think, lads? <laughs> I, I always make I always make notes um, from where Badger recorded podcast, and just in this section I just have the words deeply confused. I just can't believe they're all managing to be that unhappy in the wake of producing a universally acclaimed game. Mm, so you would have thought like, it was a happy ending. You would have. I mean, a lot of this has been cast as like the business people who want to get on and make money versus the creatives who wanted to make something, you know. I can see that. I can also, from having met them, they didn't, you know, Kervis didn't seem like an unpleasant man, but he did seem deeply exhausting uh, to be friends with and to know. I can imagine that maybe if someone were to spend, you know, the better part of a year not really doing anything and instead rolling around on the floor talking about their art. <laughs> I, You know, I wouldn't call you a liar if you said that had happened, but I don't know. I don't know. The thing is, I it is perfectly possible for everyone to be telling the truth in, in this situation. There are some things that are weird. For example, if they were fired under false premises, why did they wait so long to kind of do anything? That's a question I have. Yeah, because they, they, you said they were fired at the end of 21, right? Yeah, and we didn't find out about this until the end of 22. And when did the suppose? So they were supposedly fired after twigging the fraud, alleged fraud. Yes, that's their story. And the studio says they were fired for, you know, being terrible employees on a number of levels, I guess. I mean, I was going to say it's probably just drawn out because you know, of all the, the sheer amount of lawyer consultation involved in every step. But then having said that, you know, given the uh, the big iron on his hip attitude of some of those statements, I'm not sure there was a vast amount of legal consultation. <laughs> uh, it feels a little bit like they wanted to bring the kind of, maybe they were weighing up their options and having the kind of the big guns of a fandom on your side is helpful. Because everyone, like all the fans of Disco Elysium are completely like on, on the side of Kerbis and Rostov. So to build a rudimentary old West model of this, uh, if it's a conflict, you know, that's being posited as sort of, you know, uh, business or commercial versus creative, I suppose we're looking at like cutthroat San Francisco, like gold companies yeah uh moving north into california uh-huh. and, and sort of <laughs> uh causing ruckus with the the cowboys who are the the artists of the west yeah um, sure I, i'm running out of steam now um, okay okay and this gold company uh hired some cowboys because the because cowboys they would, wouldn't they? they know the land yeah yeah because they know the land and there and and had a map and it was a great map and the gold company invested in the cowboys so they could uh make loads of copies of this map of the land and sell it this is good this i'm i'm actually following this okay but by doing so it meant the, the gold company was able to use a shell scheme they hadn't invented those in cowboy oh, times. Oh no, they hadn't. Yeah, uh, but what they... sort of cowboy trick could they do? 
Uh, it, they... Aren't they? Aren't they? Aren't the Cowboys alleging that the gold company took money from the took the you know the Cowboys silver dollars and then used that to buy out the Cowboys? Yes. They're alleging they made a fake Allegedly. saloon. Yeah. <laughs> false premises. <laughs> false premises. Yeah. Where the cowboys would go and, and drink themselves into a stupor on, on, on cowboy grog, only for the walls of the saloon to fall away and for the gold merchants to laugh at them. Yeah. Humiliating uh, them out of town. Yeah, because the gold merchants had, as uh, James said, used the cowboys cut of the map money to allegedly. buy the map allegedly buy the map from the cowboys so the cowboys didn't really make any money and now the cowboys aren't allowed to sell copies of their map anymore however can gold, figure into this uh okay yeah okay uh, the gold the gold company the gold money company says what actually happened is that they hired these cowboys and these cowboys did make the map and then i guess the gold company were like oh can we work on improving the map or even uh making a second map with these other uh cowboys that uh we've also hired to work with you and the cowboys were like the original cowboys were like sure (laughs) but then they started like tipping over people's beans and then like (laughs) (laughs) and then like and then, like eating all the beans and not really doing anything, uh, and then they were really mean to the cow women, <laughs> uh, <laughs> in in <Yeesh>. particular, <laughs> uh, and just like really pissing on everyone's campfires, you know, figuratively and literally. Um, <laughs> and they were like, "I'm sorry, like we're gonna have to fire you from the gold company map production conglomerate." Because you're just you're just no you're not good news. Just uh, and they go back to being the cowboys they always were. Yeah, but without the map this time, which is what they're angry about, largely, I believe. Without the map and the silver dollars. Do you know what? That was that was a really good effort, you guys. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so when we kind of think about all this mess, it is quite publicly embarrassing, as you said, James. Um has it sort of stained the reputation of the game? Has it sort of tainted it in your minds a bit? On a purely selfish level, uh, it makes me feel vindicated in my irrational resistance to playing the damn game (laughs) for so long, despite so many people recommending it. And I believe I've now outlived the game being cool. So (laughs) I feel quite smug. (laughs) That's a real dwarven solution. Just sit and sulk until someone else crumbles. <laughs> it is. Well, it's because it isn't as cool as it used to be because it was really popular. Now you can like queue and like get your picture taken with like a, a replica jacket from the game at conventions and stuff, which is kind of less cool by the minute, really. Um, but what I mean, would you buy games from either the studio or these developers? who've been fired now or would you just sort of leave them both well alone I, th- I think if it came out that someone had you know definitely like done something morally repugnant mm. maybe but it just sounds like everyone's just it's, it's, it... 
wrestlers argue all the time. I still watch wrestling. <laughs> yeah, that's true. What about you, James? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to be all centrist dad about it. Um, it's it's kind of hard to make a decision when yeah. you don't know who's actually telling the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of am put off by all parties because it's kind of embarrassing behaviour. <laughs> <laughs> the way, not like if you've been wronged, you should sue people. I'm not saying that, but like sort of the shit slinging in the press and them like issuing dueling statements every three days and stuff is just yeah. I, actually i was i will say yeah actually i'm i'm unlikely to play anything by say like hypothetically if Kurvitz and rostov were to go and make something by themselves i'd be unlikely unlikely to play that because you know it does have it, it will likely have the air of being made by i'm trying to think of a polite word Drama queens, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, no, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. At, at least, at least of, at least of Studio Zelm, um, the the allegation is that it's being run by, you know, thieves and scoundrels. That's true. Um, but you know, I, I I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't apply the logic of. There are some nasty people at the top of this company, therefore everything is tainted. Like, yes, I don't apply, I don't apply that to. I still play, you know, I'll, I'll still play the occasional Ubisoft game or the occasional Activision game, admittedly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, without clutching my pearls over it, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm also like maybe not the right person to talk to because I've also not played Disco Elysium. Have <laughs> you not? I did. Yeah, I reviewed it. I know it's super. It's super hard to sort of say who's really in the right or the wrong until anything is sort of definitively uh resolved and it's a mystery really why they didn't just quietly uh sort it out without doing all this mudslinging in the press uh because helen hinper seems to have just disappeared <laughs> she's gone and got a job presumably mm. uh like a sensible person quiet but like i said they didn't seem like horrible people but they did seem very intense but let's move away from that and uh, talk very quickly about <laughs> What we've been playing this week. Uh, James, what have you been playing? Uh, so thanks to Ollie and his secret stash of codes, uh, I finally got into the closed beta for the finals. Uh, oh, this yeah. Is, this is the free uh, versus free versus free versus free. Uh, how, how many threes F is that? <laughs> that's that's four teams of three. Okay, right. Uh, FPS from Embark Studios, which is formed by, uh, uh, well, was was formed by former Dice staff who, you know, obviously made Battlefield. Unlike Battlefield, I actually like the finals. It is, <laughs> it is really, really fast. It's really chaotic, um, and it's it's got a lot of character to it. It's set up as like um, uh, like a virtual reality game show slash blood sport. Uh, and the object is is purely objective based. I think um, I don't know if there's just a deathmatch mode, um, and you just have it to. Sounds, sounds very much like Love Island. <laughs> I've not watched either. I've not watched Love Island, so maybe I should save yourself. Maybe, yeah, maybe, I, should, maybe I should start if it's if it's like the finals. <laughs> um, so you basically grab boxes of money and then defend it while it very slowly transfers the money within into a separate vault. During which times other teams will attack you, and if they kill you, they can steal the vault and then steal the money for themselves. And then whoever wins 
is the team with the most money at the end. Um, okay. And that's all, that's all well and good. But because you also get money on a kill, when you shoot someone, they explode into coins, like in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. <laughs> I love mean, who, that. Yeah, who doesn't love that? That's great. Just a massive pile of shiny gold coins. And it's just it's just a right old laugh, which um, I, I, I've maybe lost sight of when I've, when I've played competitive games recently. I tend to get too competitive. Yeah. It has uh, really good use of destructible buildings. Um, it's not just like for showing off purposes. It actually it does affect how games play out, how say a vault defense might play out, because you can be guarding a door, and mm. then someone just shoulder charges their way through the wall next to it, like into you and kills you. Oh wow! Uh, uh, or you can or you can set explosives on a ceiling, uh-huh. blow it up, and then the vault falls through it, like away from the team def- defending it. Because the vault. Oh. vault the vault's something the size of like a UK standard phone box. Yeah. Um, and then that's that's the way you can like steal it and surprise. Oh, that's cool. Surprise the enemy team. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not it's not things they just um like have staged for the trailer to be like, oh, that looks cool, we can do that. Yeah. And then it never actually happens. It actually that kind of thing happens in games all the time. Mm. Uh so and yeah, really cool. fun. Uh the the beta does end today and I there is no currently announced release date, so I don't know when I'll be able to play it again, but I definitely will. It's great fun. Yeah, lots, of, lots, of, lots of smiles playing a uh, playing What's the, the sort of um what's the vibe of it, the aesthetic? Is it like sci-fi or Yeah, uh it's kind of like twenty minutes into the future. Um okay, so I, believe, like I, believe, I believe it's a TV tropes uh, way of putting it. <laughs> uh where yeah, like, everyone there there aren't aliens or and people are just wearing normal clothes. But, uh, but they have like flying platforms and enormous like sci-fi mega structures. Um, you kind of you kind of hand wave that as being oh it's all in VR. Oh right, is, okay. In in the in the lore of the game, uh, it's not actually happening. I don't I don't think. Oh which well, is why you know. people, Which is why people can explode into coins and then come back to life instead of you know spending the rest of their days in a vending machine. <laughs> I was going to say that I couldn't talk about it, but I can because the podcast will go out when the embargo is up. I've been playing Storyteller, which is that um, like little puzzle game that's uh, in sort of the pages of a book. Oh, so I'm just looking at the story. I remember page now. that from Jeff Fest. One been, of- it announced. <laughs> it was announced back in like. 1998 or something it's not, oh it's not not that old but it's it's appeared at like every show for like the last three years or something oh, okay. it's, it, but it's but it was revealed like a long time ago and it pops up all the time it's a really cute little puzzle game where you get um you know a page in a book opens and you have to make a story from they're sort of like you know um comic book panels and then you stick in different characters uh, in different scenarios and the order that you put them in will change the story that turns up so you might have you know the the title at the top will be like you know the queen marries and then you have three characters you have the queen the evil baron and the knight and then you can choose who she marries by maybe like the baron kidnaps her but then the knight saves her so she'll marry the knight or um, maybe the baron will dress up as a dragon kidnap her change out of the dragon outfit uh and then save her as himself and then she'll be grateful or oh, a false flag a false flag or there's you know there's loads of little like um 
uh, stuff like you, you sort of create a kind of hamlet, but with little fantasy dwarves who are called things like Haiti, which is the the, the mean dwarf. Uh, so it's really cute and it's really well done. It is very short, really short. I did it in about hour and a half, hour and forty five, something like that. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So I don't well, like. I, to be... I quite I quite like a short game these days. You like a short game. I do I like think... a short game. I think how well it does will depend on how much it costs because I don't like to be one of those people that is like, you know, X amount of game per pound. But oh, yeah, yeah. with something this short, people... Like, everyone has a different tolerance for that kind of thing and I think with something this short, people will meet that tolerance quicker, if it makes sense. But there are loads of, like, really cute things. Like, you know, you get to do the prince turning into a frog kind of thing. Uh, and, you know save being saved by a kiss and all that kind of stuff it's really sweet um so i do like it i think there might be dlcs because the book is called like chapter one or something or volume one so it wouldn't surprise me if they yeah that sounds like a good game to play with a kid yeah actually 100 percent. it's it's a very yeah give it a go with tally nate that sounds lovely actually yeah Yeah. we probably need a break from horizon (laughs) yeah what have you been playing are you still on horizon uh, give that a little bit of a break this week. Uh, I've, I've been, I found a new grind. Uh, oh, I'm good. playing um, Across the Obelisk. Have you, have you come across that? No. It is. Um, I've got a bit of a weakness for ye olde roguelike deck builders, and this is one of those. You may remember I was playing Rogue Book the other week. Um, yes. Very, very similar mechanically. Um, Weirdly, though, it's although it's proved immensely engaging for about four days, I've reached that point you can get to with sort of grindy games where you can predict predict pretty much exactly how your power is going to scale, when you're going to be able to complete it, when you're going to be able to complete a new game plus. And I've got a feeling the smoke might be clearing and... Um, Sort of dispelling the illusion of uh, of excitement. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm going to give it a couple more days, see if it throws in some more surprises. Yeah. But you know that thing with the game where you, you know it seems boundless. Yeah. Until you suddenly see the shape of the maze. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. Yeah. But it's good. I've um, I've got a lizard who just keeps poisoning people. Um, <laughs> I've, I've just got loads of poison buffs and going for poison uh, all the time with everything. Yeah. And I talk to myself while I play things. Yeah. Um, and I've just been doing this weird sort of Matt Berry commentary every time I hit someone. You're extremely poisoned. You're not looking <laughs> very well. You're very poorly. Someone call an ambulance. Not for me. <laughs> oh, that's but good. It's, it's a fun game. I recommend. Okay, cool. Uh, well, thank you very much, lads. I fear we're going to have to skip your uh, cabin of jocularity as well as a good a good day to wear hard because we've we've run on a bit. We got zapped. We did. But I tell you what, the the cavern, the the tower of jocularity I've got planned could I think fairly be described as an epic. So it's it's not a bad thing. Okay. We're we'll do that okay. next week. Then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I look look forward to it with trepidation. But <laughs> let's now move to do some recommendations. Every week we recommend something that is not a video game. Uh, James, what are you recommending this week? 
Uh, I'm recommending the comedian Jambi McGrath. I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, so last weekend, last week, my girlfriend and I went to a comedy show that had free stand-ups, none of whom we knew beforehand. Uh, and she came on and just blew the others off the stage. Very funny, oh, wow. very sardonic. Um, her act is kind of like observations of life in the UK from an African perspective. Uh, she's from Kenya originally. Uh-huh. Um, just delivered with absolute mastery of how to like structure and set up and deliver a joke. Uh, she has a few specials on Amazon Video if you want to check her out, as well as a bunch of YouTube videos. Ah, that sounds very good. I'm always up for a good, a good comedy recommendation. Yeah. Uh, my recommendation is comedy adjacent as well. I recently got Shudder, which is the I'm trying out the free trial, the horror streaming uh, platform, and I just completely random. Uh, I watched one of their their featured films, uh, Blood Relatives. It is written, directed by, and starring Noah Sagan, who is one of Ryan Johnson's bestie friends. You know how directors have like actors who will be in everything. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, so one of Ryan Johnson's is Noah Sagan, and he uh, was he's, he was Kid Blue in Looper, if you remember that character, and he was the comic relief character in uh, Glass Onion. The guy who Daryl who turns up and just walks through a scene going, "Oh, the, here. Like the surfer dude." Yeah, yeah. Oh, he so, was in um, he was in Knives Out as well. He was, he was a policeman. Yeah, yeah. I liked him. Yeah, so he has uh, written, directed, and stars in uh, Blood Relatives, which is about a kind of loner uh, Jewish vampire who's like scatters in Yiddish throughout the film and stuff, and he finds out he has um, a teenage daughter who's like half human, half vampire, and she kind of like her mum's died, and she wants you know, a parental influence in her life. She tracked her dad down and it's about them sort of coming to terms with their relationship and they try to sort of settle down and he has to eat like fast food, like ground beef <laughs> raw and stuff. It's really good. It's really funny. It's really sweet. Um, it would be perfect for like a TV series as well. I really enjoyed it. That's my recommendation. Nate, what are you recommending this week? Um... I'm going to recommend you don't go and see the film 65 uh, with Adam Driver versus some dinosaurs. I saw oh, okay. the trailer for that and I was like, nothing about this makes me want to see this film. Why did you go? Uh, I was just at a loose end. Uh, I had some time to kill. I thought, you know what? Uh, I mean, I do, you know, I fancy Adam Driver and I like dinosaurs. Yeah. I uh, can't say either of those things are true now. Oh no! I was. It's, I mean, it's, it's an incredibly. It, there's no joy, or there's not even a joke in the film. <laughs> I'm not saying everything needs to be a, a lull fest, but it's just so fucking dour. And the dinosaurs look like they were like you know. I'm actually impressed by how thoroughly they've managed to disregard the last seventy years of paleontology. <laughs> they look like they're designed <laughs> by the bastards who made the concrete sculptures in Crystal Palace Park. <laughs> there were all these sort of lumpen monstrosities with like tiny angry eyes that just sort of blunder around roaring and incurring massive injury for the sake of maybe catching a person. I kind of don't understand why Adam Driver is the man in it because it seems tailor made for like the rock and he'll like punch a velociraptor to death it does, with it his does seem, hands. It does seem below Adam Driver. Right. <laughs> well, no, because he's like looking after a, you know, he's, he's being a sort of sensitive dad, isn't he? Um, you know, which is one of his vibes. That is true. Right? 
yeah, his his vibes are sensitive dad or space insults. So. <laughs> All right, a recommendation to not do something. That's a first, I think. Yeah, um, dodge that one. But thank you so much uh, for joining us for this kind of chaotic episode of uh, the Electronic Wireless Show, but fitting for the subject matter, I suppose. Um, we zound ourselves. We zound ourselves right into the ground. Um, this was episode eight of series two of the Electronic Wireless Show, Rock Paper Shotgun's PC gaming podcast, and the only podcast you need. In my opinion, you can find Rock Paper Shotgun on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. If you search for Rock Paper Shotgun, you can join the Discord, as alluded to earlier, and the link will be in the show notes. But for all of your PC gaming needs, just go to www.rockpapershotgun.com. And for now, it's goodbye from me, Alice Bell. It's goodbye from James. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from <laughs> Mosh Pit Elysium. Farewell. Bye. Bye. Bye.